0: Money. It comes with a lot of questions. How do I save? Where should I invest? Can I build wealth to pass on? It's hard to know where to get the answers. That's why the people at Fidelity do what they do. They make it easier for you to get information to make better money decisions. They've got articles and videos, tips and apps, and insights and perspectives that can make planning, saving, and investing less stressful. And when you want to talk it through, there's a real person on the other end with real answers. Helping people is what they do. And as a part of their $250 million Invest in My Education initiative, Fidelity is supporting eligible students from underserved communities in the Boston, Dallas-Fort Worth, and Raleigh-Durham areas by combining scholarships with ongoing assistance, mentorship, and better paths to post-graduation employment. Want to learn more? Visit fidelity.com slash Earners, what's up? Look, I want to give y'all a little peek behind the curtain of producing Earn Your Leisure. It's a lot more than just sitting down and chatting. It involves meticulous planning, recording, editing, and then promoting each episode to ensure it reaches all of you. And if you picked up any of our merch, then you know there's a whole extra layer of logistics from inventory management to shipping. Running a podcast is like running a small business. And speaking of business, I know many of you entrepreneurs are involved in e-commerce. you understand how crucial it is to streamline operations and cut costs wherever possible. That's why I want to talk to you about ShipStation, the multi-carrier shipping solution that integrates seamlessly with all your online sales channels. It's all about optimizing your shipping, connecting with expert partners, and freeing up more of your time to focus on scaling your business. Now let's talk about our experience with ShipStation. This tool has been a game changer for us, especially with automating routine tasks. Being able to manage everything from one dashboard and print shipping labels with just a click. Absolute lifesavers. Plus, the discounts we get on shipping costs are incredible. Honestly, it feels like we're saving thousands. And as our show and merch sales have grown, ShipStation's robust automation and reporting features have helped us keep up without missing a beat. For those of you who get overwhelmed by order volumes, ShipStation's easy to use dashboard is a dream come true. You can import orders from any sales channel. Again, that's shipstation.com, promo code EARN. Start streamlining your shipping and scaling your business today. Earners, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, don't hesitate. I used it. You should go over there and start using it now.
1: So if it's like one company, X, Y, Z company, that person that's handling that, there might be seven companies, seven jobs contracted yep. from different companies. So they got to call about each job daily. Yeah, They got to stay on top of the.
0: Somebody got to sure. do the work. You so you replicated me? yourself.
2: For sure. You got. I got to duplicate myself because my overall goal, once I understood it, I ain't jump out the wound and was like, oh, I, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Once I understood, I got to remove myself from my own business so it can still run like clockwork. So I duplicated myself seven times. My graduates from my school being Forbes, backdrop, backdrop, <laughs> a mic drop, <laughs> backdrop, backdrop.
1: All right, guys, welcome back. E Y L. Yeah, this is an episode that I know a lot of people have been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Long overdue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of a lot of value will be provided. So, yes. government contracting. This is something that's a big deal. Um, I think the government they they, they give so much money in so many so many different fields that yeah. most people don't even think about. Um, from like you know construction mm-hmm. to toiletries to catering to Almost anything. Um, there's some level of a government contract that's provided. Painting, mm-hmm. you you name it. And then especially when you have um, women and minority businesses, there's always mm-hmm. you know there's usually some some um, benefits carved out for that. So the government contracting situation is is like billions of dollars every single year that's provided to industries and six
0: hundred and sixty seven last year. To be exact, billion.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people are missing out on it because they just don't know about it, or they're just not—they don't go through the steps to get qualified, and uh-huh. and it's um, something that's hurting a lot of, especially black businesses, because yeah. you could potentially be making money from the government, which is the best, because they're gonna pay. And that's not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and it's one of those
0: things, like we don't know what we don't know. So Mm -hmm. like, yeah, 666 billion, just seems like an astronomical number, but you're talking about 11 million contracts that award each year, Mm -hmm. 11 million. Like how, how many people do we know that even know about this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's definitely an opportunity that yeah, we are gonna be enlightened on today. For sure, sure. So we got sure. the good
1: brother, Jason White. Who better? He's what more. up though, what <laughs> up though, he's Pimmy. <laughs> so he taught for EYL University several different times. Yes. You've yeah. probably seen him make the rounds on all of our friend shows from yeah. Dave Shans to Ash Cash to Angela Yee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Way up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the way up, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he what put like together Angela. the, he's one of the people that put together the event for Super Bowl yep. um, when we interviewed Ray Lewis. Absolutely, So he's in that game as well. Yeah. I know um, you were part of the Rosses' um Mentee situation, yep, right? The boss up
2: conference. Boss up conference. Yeah, shout out to Ross and yeah. Alex. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. You've yeah, yeah.
0: been on our radar for, uh, we, I think it's about two years now. Come on, baby. Yeah, two years. Shout out to Dina. I'm going to give her, because she loves when yeah, people yeah. shout out. <laughs> you? Hey, this camera right here. Dina, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> so she told, we, we, was, uh, we had done an interview with Tip for Assets Over Liabilities. I think yeah. that's 2021. 20, she was like, "You got to meet this other guy. Yeah. He's doing government kind. Con- Nobody's talking about." It. I'm like, <laughs> all right, Dina. And then I send you an ad. I'm like, "Yo, he smoked it. We got to wait." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you've, you've been around and like you said, doing stuff at UIO University. So Appreciate we just want to thank you for that. Love, man. yeah. The, of course, the community of course. loves everything you do. That's
1: what's up. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. He's not only in it, but he actually teaches it as well. So yes. first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate Love, it, man.
2: Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, yeah for sure.
1: Yeah. So let's get the backstory on this. Let's get. You. How how did you start? in government contracts like what kind of government contract did you start with like what's the story behind you and government contracts
2: yeah so government contracts is very broad and wide so i gotta be distinctive and i i come from the federal level so i'm on federal government contracts there's a big difference between state and local Mm -hmm. so i got started easy my man just told me about it he like yo i'm gonna get a government contract i was like what's that and then I went down the rabbit hole of YouTube University back in 2008 when it was trash. I remember how it was in 2008. Early days. Yeah, you couldn't tell what was what. Before EYL. Before y'all. Before y'all took a hold of it, it was trash, man. So I couldn't figure out nothing. Um, I, but I, that's how I got started, just from who the vessel was that told me about government contracting. He was going to get a trucking contract, and I took it over from there. So what kind of contracts did you were you having? My very first one was for grease traps. Grease traps? Yeah, I still have never seen a grease trap, still um, to this day. <laughs> what, and I, what's that? that? So, apparently, in the kitchen of VA hospitals, they have grease traps where the grease go- goes where from uh, cooking and all that. Oh, okay, it like under the stove a, type Yeah, it something? goes underneath the, in the ground, yeah. and they pump it out. That was my first uh, contract. So, you and never, I think I got seven of them still right now. And you never saw it? I still
0: never seen it. So, so break trap. that down. So, you never even saw what you were making money off of. How, how did that work?
2: So, what happened is this it's very simple. I looked up the solicitation. I saw that they needed a company to pump out grease traps. I didn't know what that was. So, I drove my pedal bike to the library because I didn't have a real com- a laptop or computer at the house. I looked up, okay, grease trap companies. Then I found a grease trap company, called them, how much would you charge for this service? They gave me the quote. I put my money on top, sent my proposal to the government. So you're just a middleman. That's it. Listen, we middleman everything. <laughs> Who did you just shout out? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, we everything has somebody in the middle until a certain point. Most people don't understand that you don't have to have the company that actually needs to do the work. The government don't care about that. The federal government just want to know, how much are you charging me? And can you get it done? And you are gonna say yes because there's companies that can get it done. They just gonna charge you whatever they want to charge you.
0: All right, so the f- for the first grease trap, let let's, let's just walk through that. So you find a grease trap company. Yep. How much did they tell you? Let's give it a round, yep. round number. So
2: they took for the first year, they told me like ninety two thousand.
0: Ninety two thousand. Something
2: like that. So I, I obviously I reverse engineered ninety two thousand divided by twelve. Then I took that monthly amount and I put my money on top. I only put $125 on it for myself. I was nervous, I didn't know what to do, right? $125 yep, per profit. month? For me, profit. Per month? Yeah, per month. Most people, like, so the government, that service is gonna happen, my grease trap contract was happening twice a month. So the company was going to charge me, right, an invoice every month, every yeah. 30 days, and I'm gonna charge who? The government, yeah. but just with my money embedded into today's, $125 so a month. So you charged
0: like a $1,500 interest?
2: That's it. So I don't do I don't do percentages, right? I teach people not to do percentages until you get to the million-dollar contracts because it doesn't make sense to do percentages yet because we're bidding. And because we're bidding, we're already leaving money on the table because we don't know what the total dollar amount is. Yeah. So now I just don't want to do percentages. I'm going to do whole numbers. Every number can be broken down to percentage anyway, but I'm going to just do whole numbers. So I put $125 on it per month for me, my profit, and I won the contract. 125. So, I mean, at this point, are you
0: feeling like, yo, this is a win?
2: I'm excited. What are we talking about? <laughs> I'm not doing the work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I know we live in a world and society today. Remember, this was in 2000. It took me three years, number one, to win my first contract. Okay. So, I started in 2008. I didn't win my first one until 2011, this grease trap one I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But that's $125 for me talking and emailing per month for the next four or five years. Like, what? Why not? And it's coming from the federal government. So now, once I won that one, I'm like, all right, I figured out a little system. I got it. I understand how to speak to vendors to have them to do the work on my federal government contract. And I did it again. I won another one. Two months later, that was $7,000 a month profit. Mm. That was for four years. So now, once I understand... My pricing piece, I'm not doing $125 anymore. more profit for me. I'm making that number make it work for me now. Learn quickly. Yeah, 100%. Two so, months later. So you, are, was the contract
1: for your company or was it for the grease trap company?
2: Yeah, so because I'm in the middle, the, the government gives me the contract. Mm-hmm. I pretty much employ the company to do the work. So the company, the subcontractors are not on a government contract. I am, yeah, they're on an agreement with me to do the work on my government contract, so it's like the the government says yo, uh
0: we're going to give you ninety two thousand mm-hmm. right, you yep. say, All right, I'm gonna put my number on top of it, yeah, let's say it was a ten thousand, you tell the company, yo, we're gonna need a hundred and two, yeah. And you, that you, you'll take, obviously, and out of the 102, your money's in there.
2: So I tell I tell all pricing to the government. So if you are the subcontractor, you say, right, Yo, right, right. Yo, you want to charge me $92,000. Yeah, i am like, okay, cool. I'm going to put my 10 on it. My quote to the government is 102000 right. They right, say, right. yeah, we approve. It comes back through me. They give me the money every month. I get paid. You, you get go. paid. Got yeah, you. Got you. So how did you even get to the
0: point where you're even allowed to do Government contracting because it's not like anybody off the street can just like ah, I'm gonna do this tomorrow.
2: So yeah, it don't, it ain't that fast. Let's give <laughs> right? it a thousand, right? It ain't yeah. that fast. Yeah. But remember, it took me three years to get a government. My first one, I was to the point where I didn't even know what an LLC was. Like I I was that like far removed from business, from strategies. That's why the community appreciates y'all because y'all sure. are giving us that type of information very, very quickly, right? And obviously we're in 2023. You can find out anything right now. But back then, I didn't even know what the LLC was. I didn't know a lot of things. And I had to do a lot of research and digging. I'm all self-taught. So I, I had to find out what the LLC was first, formulate that. Then I had to go into the database sam.gov and register my company. Mm-hmm. That all took a while. That was a whole learning curve for me. I mean, I'm a dude, I don't even like to read. Still to this day, yeah. I, I don't like to read. I don't got no patience. So I like things just as quick as the next person, but I had to have patience to teach myself exactly how to be a viable vendor for the federal government. Yeah, so the, that acronym, I, I looked it up. So Sam,
0: system for award management. So yep. you gotta apply for that. You do. You gotta, how, how long is that process take? It take like two or three weeks two or three weeks. And yep. then after you do that, you receive a UEI, yep, unique like, entity identifier. Yes, sir. What's that? get,
2: so that's just saying your business social security number to the federal government. Okay. So you got that, you got the UEI, and then you got a CAGE code, a C-A-G-E code. Right. The the cage code is the same thing. It's two company identifiers that let the federal government know on all levels that you are a valuable approved vendor to do business and bid on government contracts. So what? All right. So
1: the first one is the grease trap. What's the next contract?
2: Oh, man. Clothes. Clothes. Dry cleaning. Seven thousand dollars a month profit for just dry cleaning clothes for clothes. I, I never seen. Or I don't have a dry cleaning company or nothing like that, right? So they, the government dry cleans your clothes, bed sheets, uniforms, et cetera. But somebody has to do that, right? So they created a solicitation, which is what companies like mine bid on. And I want a contract. That so the- that's
1: for like just government workers. I got to get their clothes cleaned.
2: Yeah, uniforms and stuff like that. They provide that service for free for people in the military. Milita- okay. So- all right, so a few things. So,
1: how are you? Like, so you're just going on a database and just seeing randomly, okay, I need this. Yeah. And then you find a dry cleaner, or you already have a dry cleaner and you're looking for a dry cleaner. Nah, code. so,
2: yep, yeah, so I do it the other way. Like you said, I'm gonna look for what the request is first. It's too hard to say, all right, y'all gotta, um, a lawn care business, let me look for contracts for y'all. That's putting me in a box. Mm-hmm. That's making me say, okay, I only need to concentrate on looking for lawn care companies because I got to look for a contract for this company. I'm in a box that way. But if I look at all the requests for proposals or the solicitations that the government's saying, we need these services, I can pick and choose at my leisure. And be like, all right, I want, I like this, this, or this. And then I can go find the companies. To find the companies is the easier part than to find something in a niche that you can only do, or your company can only do. Mm-hmm. I'm not finding niches. I'm finding what the request is, and then I go get the company. So did you, all right. So let's take this by example. This dry cleaning situation. You were on the
1: website. What's the website called again? Sam.gov. So Sam.gov. You went on that website,
2: and you saw something that was interesting. What made that stick up to you? Because it's a service, right? I'm building residual income from the biggest. Uh, purchaser in the world, the federal government, right? Mm-hmm. It ain't going nowhere. It's that's really recession proof. That's really talks of financial literacy because they ain't going nowhere. When I see that it's a service and it's due every month for the next four or five years, guess what? I'm chilling. I ain't hunting. The name of the game is to to get a business where you can remove yourself from and you don't have to hunt every single day for it. So that's appealing to me, and I recognize that because that's kind of like the street game too yeah. a little bit. So you, I bought. So
1: so you saw that. The next thing you, you say, okay, I want to find, did you, so what made you pick, cause even picking a business is important cause you don't want to pick a business that doesn't do a good job. That's true. So how did you find a business and how did you have that conversation with the owner? Like how was that
2: process? That was difficult. I mean, cause where, I'm com- where I came from in terms of learning business and learning certain conversations to navigate, that was kind of difficult. But when I told the owner, hey, I'm already doing a contract at that facility that make it more easier. Now, if people don't have that to their name, then they can just navigate the conversation and say, can you do this job? Oh, you can? You're gonna be doing it for X amount of pounds per month. And that looks good to a struggling business or a small business. Cause I only call small businesses that mm. I know need work. Or well, like that you use personally. Well, no, nah, not nah, cause I don't want to use them personally because I need them to look at me as a boss. Right, if I if I go to somebody that hasn't looked at me in that light, and I say, "Hey, I need you to do this work," now the conversation is difficult because I got to create the hierarchy. Versus when I don't know you, I've already created a hierarchy when I get on that phone. So, they already know I'm a I'm a businessman or a boss so, or whatever I choose to be when I first get on the phone. The grease trap took you three
0: years, right? Yeah. yeah. Then you got that then obviously the the laundry business service. So inside of that. You're competing against other people. For sure. You're not the only one that's trying to get this contract. Yeah. So how many people are, I mean, are you going up against it? And what separated you to say, the government to say, like, all right, this is who we're going with?
2: Yeah, so I don't know the answer to that. Like, that's the that's my number one rule. If I don't know, I don't know. I don't know how many people i have bidding against, but I don't care. Right. The thing that separates me from others, I don't know that either, but I do know I'm, I'm more phone heavy than email. Most people think networking is going to a, a a conference, a government contracting conference, and speaking to somebody that works for the DOD. To me, that's not networking. I proved that, right? So if their phone numbers and things of that nature listed on these solicitations, I'm picking up the phone. I'm going to make sure that I'm memorable to this individual that picked up the phone. So now when my proposal come across, they, oh, that was that dude. That was him. that was That's that company. Because... I don't know how old y'all are, right? This how old I am. I could write on a paper application. I could get an application, fill it out, and I don't give it back to the person that give it to me. I say, hey, can I speak to the hiring manager? When I give my app- paper application to the hiring manager, guess what? I just put a face to the name that fast. I gave myself my own interview that quickly. And I do that, and I continue to do that with the federal government. I gave myself my own interview. Hey, this is who I am. This is what I got going on. This is my proposal that I'm going to submit in the next two or three days. And then I call back and I follow up. So although I can't answer how I was I separated, but I think that's a big separator. I just pick up the phone.
1: So, and then also your company is like, let's say, like white services, professional services, right? Mm-hmm. When it's broad range, it's like a a middleman company. Yep. Um so it doesn't specialize in any one thing. It right. does a variety of different things, right. but you can't. So being that is the case, I guess you can't qualify for the NW, NWBE, right? The
2: minority business. So I can because the any certifications isn't based off contracts It's based off of who is in that company. Case in point, if I want to get a veteran owned certification, somebody in my company would need to be a veteran. If I want to get a woman-owned certification, somebody in that company needs to be a woman and control 51%. So it's not about what type of contracts you get. It's who is in your company that allows you to qualify for those certifications. Not, you, not did the did you get, do you have the WNW? No, nah, I don't need them. You don't think it's necessary? No, it's not. So you don't win. You don't get awarded contracts from certifications. Certifications do not help you win. They just help you. Go over here to this pool where the government is mandated to give you the money over here in this smaller pool. But guess what? When you're in that smaller pool, you still got to do what? You still got to bid. So if you don't know the bidding process and you got this shiny sticker to go over here and VIP, but you still don't know how to bid, if I get this certification, I come over here, they did because they don't know the, the bidding process. That's why a lot of people don't do government contracting the right way. They think to start the business, you got to be in business for two years, get all these certifications, but they miss the best piece, bidding and understanding what that, those price points look like and how to submit proposals. So now you got, you got your certification and you've been over here in this pool for two, three years and haven't won a contract. I don't know how many people I've talked to Hurry up and run out and got their certifications. They ain't never want a contract then in their life. So is it necessary? No. Should you get it if you can qualify for it? Yeah, but you got to understand how to leverage it when the timing is right. So government contracting, they said there's two main types. They said uh, fixed price
0: and cost reimbursement. Yeah. Can you break down the differences?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So firm firm fix is easy. Firm fix is easy. If I submit a price point at $100,000, that's all that's it. That's all the government gonna give me, a hundred thousand. I it's no more money to be had. I don't care if the rates go up six months later, two months later, two years later. If they gave me this contract for three years for a hundred thousand, that's it. That's that's firm fix. CrossFit is different. I can say, I can say, hey, I submitted a proposal for a hundred thousand, but the rates are going up. So now I can Ask the government, I need to justify why I need another fifty thousand, another sixty thousand, but you have to justify it, but you can do that with the second type of contract.
0: So there's other types, incentive contracts, time materials, like which ones are you looking for specifically? Or are you looking at, you know what, I'm taking a mix of all of them. Yes.
2: I need it all. I need it all. I need it all, <laughs> yeah. man. Brand new sauce and drugs. Cause it doesn't matter. Yeah. If we, if I'm not doing the work and I can I can have a good relationship with this subcontractor. Whatever the government is asking from me, I'm going to ask it from them. Mm-hmm. Price point is just is just a starting point to get them going and to get me on the contract. Once my foot in the door, I don't care what type of contract it is. My foot is in the door. We're doing the work. The federal government is saying I'm a valuable vendor. I'm saying this is a valuable subcontractor. Everybody making money. Everybody's happy. So the types don't really matter. So – Bidding, you said that's the most important part. It is. So can you really like just break
1: that down and make sure like, because since you don't know what you're bidding against, right? how do
2: you efficiently bid? Yeah, because so the first thing is we got to know the federal government is doing their own market research. We need to know that off top. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't know, now you know the federal government does their own market research so they understand what price points look like from a month-to-month standpoint and from a yearly standpoint. So that's why they give out contracts for a base year with four option years because they know, all right, we want to have this service for the next five years, but we only want to pay a certain dollar amount that's not disclosed to us, but they've done their market research. So one of the things that we got to understand is, a website not going to help you understand price points. And I hear a lot of people say, oh, I went to this website. And I'm looking at what the government is paying out last year. So what? Last year ain't the same price point as this price. What Fat Joe say? Yesterday's price ain't today's price? That's, a that's a fact. true. That's a fact. So why am I looking at a website that's talking about something that was paid out last year and I'm using that as a springboard to charge the government for this year? You're going to already be on the losing end. The best way to understand what price points are is to speak and talk to the people that's actually doing the work in today's market, whatever that market or industry is. That's how you get competitive quotes because the name of the game is not, even though it might sound contrary or contradictory, the name of the game is to not win the contract. It's about it's about submitting competitive quotes because I've lost way more contracts than I've won. Mm. But the ones that I've lost because I didn't price gouge the government, they've came back and said, hey, you submitted a competitive quote. Can you submit a quote now for these contracts? And now I guess what I didn't do. I became a a reliable source just that fast. And I didn't have to go looking for other solicitations to submit proposals for because I submitted a competitive quote based off of how I do the pricing, which is speak to the people that's doing the work in the industry. Are you submitting, how many do you do like in a month or is it just like one at a time? Yeah, so when I first started, when I first started, when I was by myself before I had my team, I was probably doing around 15 to 20 proposals a month, mm-hmm. submitted.
1: So what should be included in a proposal? Because like you said, that's in, bidding and proposals are the most important part.
2: Yeah. So the federal government, that's why I love the federal government versus the state and local. The federal government will tell you exactly what you need to submit. They'll say, we need, uh, we need your price. We need past performance and we need a technical statement. So then you just provide that. And who, who am I getting that information from? My subcontractor, right? Because I technically don't know how to get the job done. So if they're asking me to get something done technically, I'm going to ask them. This is their job. They've been doing it for 10, 15 years. So that's why I love the federal government because they actually outline and tell you everything that you need to submit in a proposal. So it ain't no guesswork. It ain't like you just can create a template and say, oh, I'm going to just submit this type of proposal for every solicitation that I'm going to do. No, they're going to tell you exactly what they need and then you just fulfill it.
1: I mean, it's an interesting way to go about it as far as being a middleman because it does give you a variety of more. Like, if you're just focused on, you know, flooring, yep. right? Like, you got to try to figure out, okay, geographically, can my company go to Idaho? Can yep. they go to Mexico? Like, New Mexico, can they do this, that? And then it's like, there might only be two flooring jobs a month that's listed. Yeah, exactly. And, you, but and,
2: as, and now as, your work on slow down.
1: But as a middleman, it opens up a variety of different opportunities for you. And... You don't get the full amount, but you can do several different
2: things at one time. Exactly. Peep game. Like why if you look at some of the most prominent business people in the entire world, they they will tell you that's that's how investors do it, right? They will tell you, all right, for a hundred thousand dollars, I want ten percent of your company. And then they do that over and over and over again, right? So now when you look up from ten or twelve different companies, I'm getting a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, now, I don't have to put up upfront money, but I can get a percentage of work being done from different services, from different companies, on different contracts, every single month? It, don't, it, it just make too much sense. <laughs> that
0: <laughs> no, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yep.
2: Like you say, so I, one of the main
0: things in, if we're using real estate is location. Yep. And since, I mean, you don't really have to ever be in a specific place. Are there locations, like large cities, that are more prominent for you to look for for the contracts, or how do you go about that?
2: Yeah, so after you've been doing it for a while, obviously you can start to be strategic. You can be strategic on the regions and the type of industries and contracts you go for. But I like to speak from the the, the ground floor level, just starting out, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, they are, to answer your question, simply, yes, there's other regions you want to go for. The Houston's, the Atlanta's, the D.C.'s, the Maryland, Virginia's, right? New York. It's cities that you can be like, all right, I want to strategically look for contracts here. Mm-hmm. But when you first start, don't do that. It's a federal facility in all 50 states, all 50. So on the federal level, mm-hmm. you can live in New York and get contracts in Cali, in Texas, in Washington State, and Idaho, North Dakota, South Dakota, right? You can get them all. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't tell somebody to be strategically looking in certain areas just yet. Just look everywhere understand what that looks like. Middle, as many bags as possible. Yeah.
1: Man. I mean, yeah, middlemen make the most money in America and the world. You know who the biggest middleman is? Who that? Amazon. They, See what I'm saying? Amazon, they don't have any proprietary products. They literally are connecting businesses that have products yep. to customers that want to buy the products and yep. then they take 30% or whatever they they take off of the off of it. And they become one of the most profitable businesses of all time. From
2: just doing that. I, I tell people all the time, man, I'm silent money, man. I'm silent money. Like, I walk around and I blend in because I know I know what's happening on the back end with all my contracts. Right now, we got 42 active contracts, and all 42 are four years and better. Hmm. That's 42 streams of income just from the federal government alone. Not mentioning what I'm doing with that money and moving it around like I'm supposed to. So now when we talk about the middleman and or woman and how that relates to now the largest customer in the world. We're going to hit another recession, another pandemic. All that stuff going to end up happening. But when you get in bed with this type of customer, you're good. So what are some of the hurdles that you face being that?
1: Because it's like, all right, you got these contracts. You're efficient, effectively the middleman. So you're in communication with the government. Mm-hmm. Have there been issues with the businesses not doing what they're supposed to do? Yes. With? Like, what's some of the problems that come into play?
2: Yeah, man. Like, like at the end of the day, you spoke about it earlier. I don't have a a clear-cut way to vet a business until they start to do the work. That's the only way, right? Any A website, you can – I mean, we all know this. I can buy reviews to make my website look like I'm the best service provider in the world. So I can't go off that. The only way I need to go off of it is to bring that person out there on my contract – and just kind of see what happens. I do have certain ways where I kind of go with my gut, et cetera, but I'm putting them out there Mm. and I'm putting myself on the line too, right? So there's been a lot of instances in my own personal case where I had to get rid of certain contractors because they just lied. They say they got a team of 10, and it's just him and Johnny boy. Right. And they they say they got all this equipment and they trying to go rent it at the same time that they need to use it. So those situations happen. The learning curve with that is understanding how to manage contracts from afar and also how to stop the the bleeding or stop the the flooding before it actually gets to the federal government. The federal government will always give uh, small businesses like ours a chance. That's a misconception when you say, oh, when people say, if you mess up, you're going to get blackballed. Nah, you can get as many chances as you want because the federal government has and needs to do businesses business with small business owners. You just can't keep me- making the same mistake. But if Johnny Boy and them tell me that they got all this equipment and all this personnel and they don't got it, they don't get another chance. They did. There's a rap for them. You get them off your contract. Put another company in there as soon as possible. But- That's one of the biggest learning curves, understanding how to manage contracts from afar. The time has come, ladies and gentlemen. InvestFest,
1: that's right. That's right. InvestFest 2023 is here. August 25th, 26th, and 27th in Atlanta, Georgia. We are taking it to a new level. Bigger than ever, this year, we're going to do 20,000 people In Atlanta, Georgia. I want you to do yourself a favor. Head over to InvestFest.com right now. We will have activations from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Three days, musical performances, billionaires. Everything is going to be a completely life-changing experience. Vendor Marketplace, Food Truck Village, you know how we do. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over now.
0: And
2: obviously, I got to
0: teach that thoroughly. When when a business doesn't do that, how does it negatively affect you? I know you have your business ID number. Does that... Like almost like in a credit score where, where there's a default in the situation mm. does that affect your business it
2: can and so here so here's the, here's the thing if my communication with the federal government is amazing and that's what i teach make sure that my communication with the government is tip top if you out there tearing up stuff and you're not doing what you're supposed to do it ain't gonna get to them first it's gonna get to me first because when you win a contract you actually get appointed a point of contact at the facility that's over your job and your contract. So now I'm buddy-buddy with that person, not necessarily my sub. I'm going to let my sub do what they do. You say you can do the job, you know the directions are and the expectations, do your thing. I'm calling that point of contact daily saying, hey, was they on time? Was they this? Was they that? Soon as I get something that adverse to what they should be doing on the contract i'm on their head before it get back to the -hmm. federal government so once i know it's not working i'll get them off, put them back on has it gotten back to the federal government in my own personal case yes i lost two contracts because the subcontractor just making phone calls and you know just being lazy on the job and just doing what they were supposed to do did i get blackballed i did not Mm. because my communication was still good hey if you allow me an opportunity, I'll get them out of the way. Because I tell the government I'm subcontracting. Let me get that. So let's, let's, know make that exactly. yeah, yeah. let's make that clear. Exactly. Let's make that clear. I'm not fronting to the federal government like, it's my company doing the work. They know I have a subcontractor out there. That's why my communication is tip top. Mm-hmm. I don't leave no stone unturned as it relates to what I'm doing. Cause it's not do subconscious do subcontractors get treated differently than like so if you
1: if you're applying for a job and you're a subcontractor for flooring and then a flooring company applies do you think that the flooring company will have more favor because they it's directly with them
2: they'll have more they'll have better pricing they won't have better favor they have more pricing though yeah right your, your, your amount is not I got to put my money on top <laughs> yeah, of yours yeah, yeah. right so they have better pricing but will they have better favor nah because Con, like again, another myth is people think that the federal government just automatically goes with certain companies and that's it. It don't work like that. Like they literally take their time and price point and say, all right, I don't know this company. I've never heard of Jay White and associates, but they price is better and their documentation is on point. Let's give them a shot. That's how I got my first contract. So they do, gave, they, you, do they always go with the lowest bidder? No. Nope. They don't always go because they cause it's, it's its price point and its documentation. If my if you got the lowest price, but mine's is just slightly higher, but my documentation is tip top, i will yeah. probably get it. If they go with the lowest price, it's gonna hurt your
0: business. Yeah, right. Because you got to put your number on top of this. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You, you spoke about calling on a, on a daily basis. Two things I want to talk about because yep. communication is big, huge, and I know that's something that you had to actually on, study, yeah, and, and really. Like, master the vernacular of how this business works. But what is a day to day look like of somebody in your position?
2: Yeah. So it's different now, but let me just talk real quick about the communication. Yeah. So I've been a class clown. I've been a class clown. <laughs> we all, class clowns disrupt the class all That's the like, time, right? <laughs> they do that. So, not knowing that I was building that skill set of learning how to control a room, get the teacher to be back on my side, not call my parents, like, that was a skill set that I didn't even know I was building. So now, I know how to speak and change up how I need to change up, but still be a, a, an authority in that, in that lane. So as I'm communicating with individuals and, and businesses and and saying, Hey, this is what I need from you. And I don't need this. And I don't need that. And add a little bit of twang and swag in there to let them know, I'm, I'm going to give you human to human interaction, but you're going to know that I'm serious about what I'm talking about as well. Mm-hmm. So, that communication piece was a, a learning curve, but it was kind of already in me from, from the jump. But what was the second half of that question? The
0: second <laughs> part is on a, on a day-to-day, right? Yeah. So like you are the middle man and you have the subcontractor doing the work.
2: Are you, are you just managing all these contracts? Like what, what are you doing on a day-to-day? That's it, bro. Like I'm not micromanaging companies that say they've done this for the next, for the past 10, 15 years, even five years. I'm not doing that. I'm going to call once a week my point of contact over my contract and just see what's up with my contract. That's it. I only talk to my subcontractors when it's time to, to, for them to send me an invoice. I call, actually call them. Hey, did you send me your invoice yet? Because I want to hurry up and pay them so they don't say I ain't getting paid. Because they will say that. They'll say they'll go to the government or go on site. Hey, the guy I'm working for, he ain't paid me yet. So I call the subs and ask for the invoice. But a day looks like this. I'm in New York with y'all. Like This is what a day look like for me. You know what I mean? I got the freedom to do whatever I need to do because I'm answering emails on my phone or on my laptop. Your so said, earn your leisure. That's it, earn your leisure. So how many me? people you have working for you? I got a team of seven. And what's that, customer service? Nope. So I got seven different companies inside the database of sam.gov. And each person is over one of my companies, so they're they're looking after those contracts underneath that company, and or submitting new proposals underneath that company. So wh- why do you have seven as opposed to just one? All right, so that's a good question. You know, nobody ever asked me. That. <laughs> I actually got created more companies because I got scared because mm. I was winning so many contracts underneath the first company, and I ain't know. I was like, man, I think I need to diversify and just have more contracts under different companies but that was the reason why I did it and then after that I just couldn't handle it by myself anymore so I was like alright let me get people that I trust and and go from there and then I had to teach them obviously what I know and it was working out
1: so if it's like one company XYZ company that person that's handling that it might be seven companies seven jobs contracted yep. from different companies so they gotta call about each job they, yeah.
2: they gotta stay on
1: top of the. somebody gotta through. do the work you so you mean? replicated yourself
2: for sure. You got, I got to duplicate myself because my overall goal, once I understood it, I ain't jump out the wound and was like, oh, I, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Once I understood it, I got to remove myself from my own business so it can still run like clockwork. So I duplicated myself seven times.
0: So it was almost like is there one company that is the umbrella of all seven or how's
2: that work? Yeah, yeah, it is it's one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But each company has their own UEI and CAGE code. Right, right, right. But when I speak about My company overall, I just speak about the umbrella. Not the
0: subsidiary. Sam is what you use. Sam.gov. Let's talk about GSA. Let's get it. Let's let let the people know what that is and and the benefits of using it.
2: Yeah, so, all right. I I always got to speak from my perspective. Like, I only know, do I have the best way to do government contracting? I do not. But I have an effective way, right? That's it. It's way more ways than Skinny Cat than what I'm talking about. I just like to talk about how, cause it fits my lifestyle and and we killing it, right? So GSA is amazing. Let me break down the GSA schedule. Cause a lot of people talk about that first when we talk about GSA, mm-hmm. right? You got the acronym for GSA? Uh, Yeah, General Service Administration. Cool. <laughs> right? <laughs> I got you. Bro. I got you bro. <laughs> Hold me down. Yeah. So the GSA schedule is basically a database where any company can get on the schedule and say hey i have pencils for sale i got t-shirts for sale and then the government goes onto that database and picks a company that has whatever product that they need now do y'all know how many companies are in the gsa schedule it's hundreds of thousands so when people say get on the gsa schedule it makes no sense if you try and make money because you got a hope and wish that the government picks you and your product out of Ten thousand people that selling the same product that you Mm selling that makes no sense the best benefit for gsa is leasing they lease properties commercial properties out of this world that's the best benefit of gsa the best benefit
1: so like what's some of the businesses that are most likely like what's some of the good businesses that government contracts always come available for
2: yeah industry so it construction lawn care services, armed and unarmed security. Those are your top government contracts on all levels that the federal government will always, oh, and transportation. Mm. They will always look for those type of contracts year in and year out. Like heavy, though.
0: Like heavy. So I was thinking, this is, I was thinking about you when I was doing the research for the interview. I'm like, you ain't calling me, bro. No, nah, no, nah, no, nah, because I wanted to ask you right now. All right, moment, go. Let's right? get it. Yeah. 2021, they signed the infrastructure bill. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're, they're, there's billions of dollars that's going to go into infrastructure. At, trillions. At trillions of dollars, yeah. right? Over a five year span. Yep. At that point, what's your reaction to it? Are you thinking, like, oh my gosh, I'm right. Is, this is the perfect time. And I'll prepare myself for this moment when I see the government is about to spend even more in the industry that I'm thriving off of.
2: Yeah, so nah. I'm just like, I've already been positioning myself for all of it, whenever it comes. The federal government been, already has and been had trillions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Trillions, what's the difference between one trillion and 56 trillion? It ain't one, it's trillions, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when you get to a certain level of, of when, when the federal government says, oh, we're gonna add more money to an already crazy budget, I just I just smile. I mean I got nice teeth. I just like you know what I'm saying? Just keep banging smile because I've already been in, in that position yeah. and I've already been in that world. It makes no sense when people talk about government contracting like, oh now you gotta put forth the effort. Now you need to do this and that. No, just do it and you already gonna be set because they're not gonna stop putting the government will never stop putting money into contracts. That's the first thing. They will never stop because we know they will never stop, and this is the biggest reason because the federal government do not want to allocate their own resources to find their own companies to do the work that they're asking for. They don't want to do that. Plus, on this, on top of all that, they're mandated to give us a trillion dollar. Take that trillion, and that's just for contracts only. But they've always been doing that. So, all your uh, all your contracts ge- ge- geographically
1: located where you live, or you have them in different parts of the country? Yeah,
2: everywhere. So I just I just recently moved from Maryland to Houston last year. Shout out H Town. I've only had three contracts in Maryland, only because mm-hmm. I don't care about what's in my backyard. I'm not going to the facility. I can't add no value. I don't know how to build housing. I mean, I know how to cut grass, but if the guy out there got a special process and, and you know a quick chemicals he used in the grass to make it look greener, I can't add no value to him. Mm-hmm. So you, I'm not going to goal, the facility.
1: Like- in person to say, okay, I'm going to meet with the business that I'm going to be contracting
2: or I'm just going to do a walkthrough you ever, or everything's nah, over the phone? Over the phone. Peep game, I've done that one time and I lost all my leverage. Mm. Here's a quick story. My first million dollar contract flew out to North Dakota. I'm sitting down with the point of contact at the facility and the, and the subcontractor. I didn't know that the point of contact at the facility was going to be at this meeting. I just thought I was going to fly out there with my subcontractor. We was going to kick it, have some drinks, and I'm out of there. Man, we was at a table like this, and they asking questions, but who are they asking questions to? You. And I don't have no answers. Mm. Legit. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to do this pipe fitting stuff that I just want to contract for. Instantly, I can see in their faces, this dude don't know what he talking about. I lost the leverage and I lost their respect. So I was like, yo, I'm not, I'm never going to know. I, I almost lost the contract too. Yeah. I almost lost the contract. So I'm like, if I can't add no real value to whatever the actual job is, what's the purpose of me going out there shaking hands? Because they going to ask you questions. And if you're not prepared, you just lost your leverage.
0: When you're doing the subcontracting, are you making conscious efforts to look for minority-owned businesses. And yeah. I use the word minority very lightly yep. because obviously, I mean, I saw the breakdown of it. Minority just means everybody except white men. My man, yes, sir. Right, and yep. so uh, is
2: that a conscious effort that, that your company does? Yeah, because I think, it's, I think it's important to understand that a lot of these small businesses, minority and or not, they just don't know how to get into SAM.gov and get into the government contracting space. So I think it's important for me as a middle company to find those companies that need this longevity work on a government contract. So we, we are very strategic about that. Yes, sir?
1: Um Do companies reach out to you at this point or you still like got to call cold call?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So yes. And no cold calling is the best way because a new company is sprouting up that got, if it, if it's a company that's been doing the same business for, the same way for 15 years but a new guy just popped up on the scene and he got all this new technology can do things quicker i'd rather talk to him than a dinosaur so we always want to cold call and just see what's out there we do have businesses that look for us but remember i told y'all earlier i don't want to just strategically look for this type of contract for this company because they reaching out to me that that way is too long it's already a, a it's already not a short process, so I don't want to make it even longer by only looking for this type of contract. That's just too much. Yo, you said something, and, and you kind of breezed over it, but we got to come back to it. Let's get it. You said your first million-dollar deal. <laughs> he <laughs> got my pockets, baby. Don't <laughs> cut my pockets. He no, I mean, said, I ain't holding nothing, baby. Yeah, <laughs> <that's> like, <laughs> I,
0: ain't, I ain't got it. No, he still don't got it. Don't, don't get it twisted. He don't, he don't have it. But even uh, getting to that point, like, uh, I mean, that's... That's always a milestone in, in somebody's business career. It's like, yo, that first million. Yeah. So, like, let's talk about that deal. How'd you feel going into it, and the, how did life change after it?
2: I love how y'all break down a million dollars, right? Y'all, I can't remember what interview, but I think y'all both say it. You know, often when you get a million, it's not really a million. You know what I'm saying? So when I say my first million dollar contract, the contract was valued at a million, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a million. It wasn't a million dollars oh, yeah, in my pocket, account, right, right? Right, right. But when I did get that, let's let me talk about the contract first. I was excited. Uh, Earners, what's going on? Listen,
0: EYLU is relaunching, revamping, retooling. That's right, we're creating a new educational experience that's more expansive. Shawty, tell me what we got. Yes,
1: 2023, we got a lot in store, a lot planned for you guys. So you know that EYLU already includes monthly financial planning calls with me, book club calls with Troy, Real Estate Calls with MG The Mortgage Guy, access to the Home Buying Blueprint Volume 1 and Volume 2. Part of the revamp will include 27 local chapters from across the United States, live interactive teaching hands-on, not just pre-recorded videos, plus 15 brand new curriculums. The biggest just got bigger. Head over to EYLUniversity.com.
0: That's E Y L U N I dot com. see you there
2: uh, the federal government started to recognize my company as a company that can handle this level of a contract because it's all different levels when you start to get the, that type of money so they started to recognize that i can handle this million dollar contract fine no problem now i'm getting more of those they're calling me sole source. When you're sole source, the federal government strategically looks for your company to handle whatever industry of contract that is. So it, that changed drastically after that first million dollar contract. And, I, you know, just smiling from ear to ear, man. <laughs> I, I'm still I'm, I'm always a humble dude. I ain't I ain't never no guy to try to act like because I. When I got that first million dollar contract, now let me, you know, my stuff don't stink, et cetera, so nah, I still was grinding, I still was hitting them. Let me get another one. Now that I tasted it, let me get another one. Let me see what another one looks like and feels like. So I did, we just kept going. Is, is the process,
0: I mean, any more difficult to get that? I mean, cause I feel like the way you're explaining it is like, yo, hit some singles, hit some singles, hit some singles, I gotta build up my batting average to actually get that million dollar deal. Yeah. But after you get it, is. Now it's almost like a you got like a Michelin star on you, right? Yeah, this yeah, guy yeah. Can do this they type do, of work. Yeah.
2: Does if the deal flow become easier at that level? It kind of feels like that. I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure, but it definitely kind of feels like that. After you get that one knocked out, I still went back and got some of the smaller ones. The smaller ones still was coming to me easy too. Let me get those too. But it does feel like it was easier to navigate the five million dollars right? The $6 million value contracts now. And now it's not even a big deal. There are levels to it. Meaning like my paperwork has to be sufficient. My, my timing has to be there. And I don't get that from not knowing nothing about government contracts to going straight to a million dollar contract. Like that, that don't even make sense. That's why when people talk to me, I rarely talk about million dollar contracts because if you're getting $5,000 profit, on a four hundred thousand dollar value contract per month, like and you get three of those, you have fifteen thousand dollars a month and most people residually mm-hmm. for four years and most people don't even know what debt looks like without doing the work. So the million dollar contracts are amazing and I think it it does become easier for the federal government to look at you as a, a big boy. But them five thousand, them twelve hundred dollar, one, $1 000, three thousand dollar contract, they out there chilling. So you- you only go for the federal, but you said like there's
1: state mm-hmm. and local government contracts as well. What's the difference, and why do you prefer
2: just federal and not state and local? I jumped out the porch and learned on the federal level, and then be learning the federal level, I noticed that there's so much red tape with the local and the state. The state states that you have to be in business for so long before you can even be awarded a contract. The local and the state requires you to have certain certifications before you can submit proposals. Then how their documentation look from what I from what I seen and heard, it just it ain't it's just not as clear as it can be. The federal level is like we black and white, it's this and that. And it ain't no red tape. But if a guy like me, I barely graduated high school. I went to college a year and some change. But I I was terrible in college, man. I was I cause I don't have no patience. Mm-hmm. So if a guy like me barely graduated high school, don't like to read and don't have no patience, figured it out on a federal level, I'm like, all right, this is the to me, this is the easiest path to start government contracting. And then you can work your way through any level you want once you know what the process looks like.
0: Yeah. So you, even with the, the smaller tier ones, you said you you don't do percentages. Yeah. So if somebody's starting, what what should they they base their revenue on? Is it just like yo, this is the number I'm starting with. Like, how how do I create if I'm getting a thousand dollars for the contract? How do I do? I, am I putting five hundred on? Like, how do I do that?
2: Yeah. So when you buy your first house, you are gonna look at how many like four, five, and six, and seven because you're price comparing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: When I'm looking for somebody to give me a quote to cut this grass, I ain't gonna just call one company and take their word for it, right? So if you give me a quote for a thousand dollars, I'm gonna call you. What you charging for the same work now? If you a thousand and you 3,000, I can physically see what my profit is. It's $2,000. It's the same job, but Mm. y'all charging me differently. Okay, I ain't even asking why. That don't even matter. I'm going to go with the lowest price, but my man charging me $3,000 so now I can physically see I got $2,000 to play with. Plus, I know in my mind, the federal government is doing their own market research. Mm. Plus, I know that. So now I'm putting all those factors in together, and now I'm coming up with my price point to put on top of his $1,000 quote. What's your favorite uh, industry
1: that you personally like the most to, to use for government contracts? During
2: the inauguration, transportation. Mm. That, like that's my favorite. SUV transportation? or SUV and buses. Like charter buses. That is my favorite. Every inauguration, the transportation industry go crazy to the point where the federal government just like, yo, we need the transportation. Here, have it. Mm-hmm. So why is that, ain't why no is that budget. your favorite? Because it ain't no budget. There's no budget. Whatever you want to charge. Listen, there's <laughs> no budget. Four bus loads from the city of Richmond to DC. Four. How much y'all think somebody would charge me for that? Just take a, a wild guess. It don't even matter. Three thousand. Three thousand a bus, right? So that's twelve thousand. Because I said four buses. Look, you see, I'm good at math, right? Yeah. I barely graduated, but <laughs> math is my thing. So that's twelve thousand dollars. I've I've literally done. 3,000% on top of that 12,000 during done. the inauguration.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking charter bus because we used to take charter bus to D.C. They used to charge like 10.
2: You can bust them in the face. Like <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 the crazy <laughs> thing is they, the government knows they need to get these people from this location to that location. Yeah. Then now when we talk about the private SUV, oh, my gosh. Like,
0: and you take crazy. A, the, the buses are being transported not from just Richmond, but the further you go out. Obviously, you can put more on it, and there's the multiple cities that are coming to DC. For yes, the
2: but the federal government strategically is saying we need this group of people Ooh. to come from here to Ooh. here. Y'all, y'all know when they stormed the White House. Yeah, yeah. We had a bus load. We had a contract that was already in the books, already in the books. But my man saw that they stormed the bus, uh, the 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 Capitol. He like, I ain't coming, man. You gotta find somebody else to do it. I lost out profit three hundred seventy five thousand. Oh wow profit lost. So that's what I'm telling you. When you ask me my favorite transportation during the inauguration, it's it's, it's like it's unreal. Is there anybody
0: that is not eligible to be to do government contracting like do, like can you not have a criminal record? Like what what are the, the variables of people who cannot do it?
2: Everybody can do it cuz okay. it's business to business. Okay. So it's B2B. As long as my as long as my company is within good standings with whatever state that I created my LLC, you good. Criminal records and felon and sketchy past has no bearing on you being awarded a federal government contract. Now, to your point earlier, if if I'm excited and I want to just go see what my contract doing and I got a felon, I probably can't go into the base. So you just got to chill. But it has no bearing on me being awarded a federal government contract. So
1: what's your goal with your company? Like, what do you see as far as 10 years, like scaling it?
2: Yeah, man. I haven't even thought that far, man. So I've already started to notice that my kids, my son and my daughter, they kind of talk about government contracting and want to see what that's like. So passing that off to them. But I just want to go to the wheels fall off, man. I, I I think I think I've already scaled. I don't think I reached a, a ceiling, but I think I've already scaled to the point where I can just maneuver lateral. I don't got to go up anymore. I can just go you know, side to side now, because I'm a valuable vendor. All of my companies are valuable vendors to the federal government, so we good. I think scaling, for me, goes to how I'm teaching it and the platforms I'm being a part of and creating. So 10 years from today, with the teaching platform, looks like a a university.
1: Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So what what was the benefit of going to the Boss Up Conference? Let's talk about that a little bit.
2: That was dope, man. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. Whoever went that first year, nobody knew what to expect. We, I, I'm going to be real with y'all, like I continue to be. I just thought I was going to be in the room kicking it with Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. Are you feeling me? I got, man, what? How much? That's it? Man, we going. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know that they were setting it up to where entrepreneurs could vibe and rock out with each other and do work with each other and then even create deals with Ross himself so that's been the experience my relationship with Ross is a real relationship you know what I mean cause I think a lot of people that came to that Boss Up conference like I said didn't know what to expect but then automatically thought Ross was gonna be your boy and, oh, no sir <laughs> <laughs> not even close you know what I'm saying Ross busy He's a cool guy, but he busy. He don't need more friends. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you present presenting something to him that's of value, trust me, my man going to listen. But then, I think for me, the biggest thing was just getting the chance to rock with the entrepreneurs that are doing it at a, at a scale that I wasn't even thinking about. So I... That was the biggest benefit for me, to rock out with them and yeah. then just go from there.
0: Sometimes you get in the room and it inspires you, from somebody else's vision, right? You see something that they're doing, it's like, all right, I can implement that into my game.
2: Yeah, it ain't always about the dude on the stage, it's yeah. about who you
0: sitting beside. So, like, in this space, I mean, like, I see you, you're the prominent figure for, for us. Like, every time I think government contractor, I think you. Appreciate it. Was there somebody, I know your man put you on game, is, is he still relevant in your, the guidance of what you're doing now or is there other mentors that you look to now?
2: Yeah. So I don't have, unfortunately for me, I've had a few mentors in government contracting, but just about big stuff like missiles and factories and stuff like that. Mm. So I, yeah, we, we still in the works with that, but, my man never taught me. He just said, I'm going to do government con. He ain't know what he was going to do. Yeah. So he never taught me. I actually taught him, so I still mentor him. But he doing... He being in real estate now. He really not fooling with... He got 14 or 15 contracts or something like that. But he'd rather take his money and fool with uh, real estate. But there's nobody like I can say... And I don't even know no cocky stuff, man. There's nobody I can say that. I just be like, yo, I look to this person for government contracts. Because everybody... Seems to teach and do things a different way Mm -hmm. to the point where if somebody's trying to learn it, they get twisted up like a pretzel. They don't know which what way to do it or which way to believe. So you got to make sure if you're teaching in this space, you got to make it easy, man. You just got to make the information easy to digest to make somebody want to (laughs) execute.
0: You bring up a good point there when you're doing the government contracts. Are you? traditionally looking for multi-year deals and then when it comes time for renewals what, what does that look like right because that's not like
2: we know that from sports but like I mean, yeah. we've never even heard that yeah yeah so I have to look for multiple deals because like I said I'm not trying to just hustle all my life I want to create platforms where and the ground for residual income so if I get two and three contracts for four or five years I'm good for at least four years you know what I mean I'm good off of two contracts mm-hmm. but it looks like this you get the base year that's good that's your 12 months but when that option year comes up, the federal government says, hey, we want to exercise our option year. Are you willing to stay on this contract? And if so, are you going to charge us more money? So you get an opportunity to negotiate your price point from the previous year going into the next option year if they choose to exercise you. But in my case, I've always gotten the op- first option year. After that, I got the rest of the contract. Yeah, that's tricky. I got, yeah, it If is. you overshoot it, you're done. Yeah, if you overshoot, they gonna put it back out for bid. But that—that's why I always keep my head. The government does their own market research. So once I got that in my head, I know to always be competitive and not price gouge, because it's always about letting the compound effect take effect.
1: There you have it. Well, appreciate you, brother. That's a lot over. of information, a lot of knowledge. Tell the people how they can tap in with you, website, social media
2: handles, all that. Yo, man, hit them up if you want to talk to me. You You got to go through them to hit me, yo. Nah, (laughs) thefederalcode.com. You want to go there and on Instagram, I am Jason White underscore. You talk to me, I'm going to talk back. The Federal Code, man. Let's get it. The federal code. Troy, housekeeping item. Yeah, shout out to
0: everybody on EYL University. Shout out to all the earners over there, our RPX family, all the 27 chapters throughout the country, and everybody that's international. Love is love. Shout out to the merch team. You know, we got some new stuff coming. And, uh, yeah, man, we appreciate you coming. It's a long time coming. Long
2: time, man. I need some merch, man. That's that's heavy. That's
0: too easy, Jay. Y'all clean. Y'all clean. That's too easy, man. (laughs) That's too easy, man. We appreciate you being here. Love, man. Appreciate it, bro. Yeah, yeah. Peace. Love is love.
2: My graduates from my school being Forbes. Backdrop. Backdrop. <laughs> a mic drop. Backdrop. Backdrop.
0: Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app.